Welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. Emily DiDonato is on the podcast today. She is a supermodel, a content creator, and the founder of the brand Cubby. We talk about her skincare journey as a model sitting in the makeup chair at jobs with skin that was so irritated it was sloughing off after she was doing everything she thought was right for her skin. We chat the benefits of a simplistic routine coming up in the modeling world and our holy grail products she can't live without. I like to start every episode asking my guest, what is your earliest skincare memory? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I feel like my earliest skincare memory was like, it was, I remember I was in high school and it was time to like start taking care of my skin. I started getting like some pimples and like, I remember I had a little spout of acne and I remember my mom was like, okay, like we're going to take you to the Clinique counter and we're going to get Clinique's three-step routine. This makes me feel like sound old or like I'm a millennial, um, but that's what we did. And that was like kind of my origin of like starting to take care of my skin. I love that. Actually, I have a similar story, yeah. but I had this friend from middle school and her mom was one of those people who would buy tons from Clinique. And I don't know if they still do it, but they used to give you that like gift with purchase. Mm-hmm. So my friend who was only in, you know, sixth or seventh grade at the time had a ton of these like little minis. And so she would give me them when I would come over from Clinique. And that was my first memory too. That's when I first got into beauty and skincare. I was like, oh, this is so fun. I know. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. Funny. So we're on the same. Clinique does it yeah, right. Yeah. Clinique, they definitely did it right then because so many women yeah. Feel like our age have that same like core memory. Mm-hmm, the like little bar of yeah. soap that came in that little green holder. Oh my gosh, it's like iconic. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So at that age, when you were experiencing a little bit of acne, was that were you already modeling at that point? I was or not that modeling at that point. I was in high school. Um, I remember like when I think about beauty and skincare at that point, like I was hitting the tanning bed like once a week so tan. I was starting to get acne all over my forehead. I don't know, maybe it was hormonal, maybe it wasn't, but I remember being like very thrown off by it and just wearing tons of foundation and tons of black eyeliner. And now that I think about it, I don't think I was probably removing any of that correctly, which maybe was the acne that might've, there was probably a tie there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think there was double cleansing back then. That wasn't a thing. That's so funny. Um, so once you started modeling, when you got a little bit older, did you have any insecurities about your skin or do you feel like you were in a pretty good place and that was kind of like the least of your worries? Yeah. I mean, I think like once I got over that hump with like getting over that acne that I had for a little while and I started taking care of my skin a little bit better, I wasn't necessarily insecure, especially when I look back now. I mean, I was only 17 years old when I started modeling. So my skin was like 
you could do almost anything to your skin at that point and it looks pretty great. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But no, I was not insecure about like my skin at all. I would say like insecurities about my skin or fine lines or anything like that kind of came up more as I aged and like watching yourself age on camera. And you're kind of like, huh, that wasn't there the last time we were doing this extreme close up. But at the same time, like it's not normal to watch yourself age on camera like that, like in extreme close ups and all of that. So I try to remind myself that like, like when I look in the mirror, I feel pretty good. So I'll just focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. I was that I was going to ask you about that as well. It must be very interesting to see yourself age at. We're the same age. I'm 32 as well. And I feel like it's it's really odd to see yourself change even when it's just the beginnings of those changes. It's it's almost like a little bit of an identity crisis. So I can't imagine doing that being a model and being on the cover of magazines and in front of so many people. Totally. I mean, I think watching yourself change even outside of the skin on your face, even after having two kids, watching your skin change all over your body, a lot of feelings like come with that. And also you just have to learn to be so accepting of those changes because there's just like nothing you can do about a lot of it. So for me, for the skin on my face, the skin on my body, whatever it might be, I always just try to like have a sort of neutrality towards it. Cause I'm like, generally when I look in the mirror, I feel pretty good. When I go out, I feel pretty good. Am I in like a string bikini, like feeling like I did when I was 17 years old? Probably not, but I'm 32 and that's kind of okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, is anybody? Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm good. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like an evolution, but it, it took time for sure. But when I see those signs of aging, sometimes I'm sure you get this too. I have moments where I'm like, <gasps> what can I do to fix that? Like I should do something. And then luckily I'm like so lazy. I'm like, nah, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think too, sometimes I struggle as a derm provider being in front of patients. I have that insecurity of, are they going to look at me and think she looks older than she is, or even like she looks her age and she should look better or things like that. And then I, I have to remind myself, just like I remind my patients, like, we're not chasing wrinkles here, you know, like if you want to make some little improvements, we can, but when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're chasing every pore and every wrinkle, it is just such a slippery slope. And aside from all the mental anguish it can put you through, it's also how people end up looking crazy too. So true. So true. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that because if you try to fix every single change that comes along, you're just going down a rabbit hole that will never, ever end. I feel like any any like imperfection or fine line or whatever it might be that might bother me. I try to like look at it as an opportunity to find like this radical acceptance with it versus being like, how do I fix this? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've talked a lot too about having this kind of like seven or 10 step skincare routine that really was a detriment to your skin. And this is something I find very often from my new patients Mm -hmm. coming in. They're like, I'm doing all the right things. And you are, but you're doing all of them at the same time. And that's never going to be a good combination. Yeah. So that kind of started when my modeling career started because, you know, I was 17, 18, 19 years old. And I remember that I was surrounded by beauty experts and I had the money. And I remember people being like, you need this, you need this, you should be using this, you should be doing this. And then I think in my mid twenties, I kind of took it more seriously because I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to start aging. So let me just ramp this up. So like you said, I was just using everything. I had tretinoin, vitamin C, like I was just layering upon layering upon layering. And my skin was so dry. It was so irritated. I would go to set with like makeup artists that I work with consistently. And they'd be like, Emily, like, what are you doing now? And we would be like backstage, like, or behind the scenes, like just scrubbing my face. I remember with like something just to like 
get all the dead skin off and everything that was just so Mm -hmm. irritated because you can see it all on camera. But like you Mm -hmm. said, I was like, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was using expensive products. I was using all the products. I was like, I'm just giving my skin all the love that it needs. But I found that like when I actually paired it back significantly and focused on like quality products that my skin got a lot better. (laughs) And that's the truth, isn't it? There's really only a few things that you quote unquote need in a routine. I always like to remind people when they say, what do I need? Really not a lot. Your skin does not need much to function. You know, it just needs to be protected and supported. And and that's what I love about about your brand, Covey. I actually use the cleanser and the vitamin C today, but it's just such an easy routine for anybody, whether you're just starting and you're looking for a routine that you know is going to be efficacious or you're in the situation that you were in and you find your skin peeling off your face and you're red and irritated and you know you need to dial it back. There's so many applications for a relatively simple routine like that one. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that really was the birth of Covey and the concept of Covey between myself and my co-founder was we were using all these products. Her and I both really wanted to take care of our skin, but really didn't know where to start. We thought we were doing all the right things. We partnered with our dermatologist, Dr. Julie Rusek in New York. And she said, just like you were saying, This is the biggest issue that I see in my practice. Everyone comes in and they're doing way, way too much. There's only a few things that you really need to support and nourish your skin. It's not like a million steps or a million actives. So that's why we launched with our original cubby routine, which was our first of all cleanser, our next step vitamin C serum, and our last but not least moisturizer. It's all super gentle, but very effective. Um, and you know, research back with Dr. Julie Rusek, she really helped us with the formulations and we just wanted to be simple and straightforward, take the guesswork out of creating routine, but just make sure that it's also effective and makes your skin look great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I love about the routine and the products is even the actives that you did use, I think I've told you this before, yeah. your vitamin C, for instance, it's the THD ascorbate, which is lipid soluble. It's not sensitizing. It doesn't cause stinging and burning. So even when you're picking an active like vitamin C, which is helpful for your skin, you picked one that almost everybody can tolerate. Totally. And I that love. was our goal. We really wanted something that would work across all skin types. We wanted it to be something that you could use every single day that wasn't going to irritate your skin or you had to use it every other day. This was something that could be daily use and it would be like one, two, three, and you're done. So that was our goal with our original routine. Um, and just making sure everything was really gentle because that was the other thing that we saw so many complaints, myself and my co-founder of people and other products they were using. They were so irritated by them. The fragrance was irritating. The actives were too harsh. And we were like, there is a way to create effective products that aren't going to make you feel like your skin is going to fall off. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And they they also sit so well under makeup. And I always found myself wondering if that was intentional on your part because you're on set so often. And I'm sure a lot of times once you launched Covey, you probably were bringing it to set with you to prep your skin. Yeah, totally. That was definitely intentional. I um, When we were creating the products, I was working a ton. This was pre-pandemic. And I would bring all the samples to set and I would try them and I, I would ask makeup artists, like, how does my skin feel today? How is the makeup going on on top of it? Do you find it pilling? And then I knew we were getting towards like the final round of iterations when makeup artists would be like unprompted. They would be like, what's on your skin? It feels great. And I was like, okay, we're getting there. So yes, that was absolutely intentional. I love that. And how useful to have so many of those professionals kind of that you can bounce this off of because who better to tell you how your how your skincare is layering you know they deal with it every day and I mean I've been at shoots before where they've actually like had to remove my sunscreen and I'm like no not my sunscreen but it just doesn't sit well under whatever the makeup they're doing so that's amazing that you had that group of people to talk to about it 
I always wonder, uh, for models, I remember years ago, there was some reality show uh, about models in, I think it was LA or New York, I can't remember. But how important is the quality of your skin? I mean, you were you worked with Maybelline where you're like, your face is huge in these campaigns. So how much of it is truly they need you to come in with good quality skin and how much of it is they're not so worried they can kind of take care of it in post? No, I mean, when you're doing beauty, especially something like Maybelline, I mean, I think if you're doing something like a catalog or just fashion, like editorial, it's not as important because sure, an image can be retouched. But when it, with Maybelline, it was a lot of TV and commercials. It's much harder to retouch that. So your skin and skin quality is quite important. And so is the makeup artist that you work with. And on Maybelline, sometimes I would be sitting in the makeup chair, sometimes up to four or five hours on certain makeup looks, whether it be like a super intricate eyelash look or eyeshadow look or working with a particular product. Um, so it definitely really, really did matter that stress and that pressure was there, that my skin was clear, that I wasn't like getting too tan. I wasn't irritating it. Um, and I was showing up, like looking and feeling my best. And at that time, what what was your routine? At that like? time, when I was doing Maybelline, I think that I went through a couple of moments where I was overdoing it with tretinoin and vitamin C, and I wasn't wearing sunscreen, and I just was like going ham on products. And then I think halfway through, probably by the time I was twenty six, twenty seven, we started working on Cubby. I completely started pairing it back. Like I kind of started my clean skincare journey around then as well, kind of figuring out like. How do I clean up my products? What what do I really want to put on my face? I partnered with Dr. Rusak and really kind of figured out what my routine should be. And then we started developing Cubby. So that really informed me like what I did next. And it was helpful because I went to work with like clean skin, fresh skin and moisturized, like hydrated skin that was protected, which is like the goal. Right. That's their dream. I'm yes. sure that's like the, exactly the kind of prep that they need yeah. for a solid base. Exactly. Oh, that's amazing. I cannot imagine being in that world. Did you, was Maybelline your main beauty brand that you worked with or did you work with yeah, others? Yeah. So I was with Maybelline. I started working with them in 2008, which I was like 17 years old at the time, which is so crazy. Wow. So really early yes, on in your career. Very early on. Like within six months of my modeling career, I started working with Maybelline. It was very, very like wow. almost like overnight sensation for like a modeling career. I also worked with a very large um, skincare brand called Biotherm. Um, which is yeah. another L'Oreal brand. And I worked with them quite a lot too and had a contract with them for a couple of years. So I definitely did a lot in the beauty space, fragrance as well. That was kind of like my sweet spot for many years. Oh, that's amazing. So I know initially you started in fashion, Ralph Lauren, I think it was. Yes. Or yeah. Was your first? Yeah, that was like and my first it- job ever. That's so fun. And then you kind of immediately went into beauty. Yeah, I I started working with Ralph Lauren. That was like the first like official casting that I went on and I got it. And I remember my mom came to set with me and I missed school and did that shoot. And it was really fun and like such a great supportive team. And I still love all those people dearly. Um, And then I started working with Maybelline like six months later. So it happened very quickly. That's amazing. And, And I always wonder, people like you... How did your how did your parents support you in this? Were they kind of like, yeah, this is your dream. We're going to be here to support you, or were they really kind of there with you and, and kind of wanting you to do it? Because you're you're so down to earth that I just have this feeling that your parents were kind of like, 
yeah, sure. If you want to do this, go ahead. But they weren't by any means pushing you. That's a vibe. Yes, that's, that's, that's definitely true. Like I felt like I decided to become a model when I was 17 years old. And then I kind of made the decision. I was like, all right, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to model full time. And they were kind of like, okay, like that's really what you want to do. Like, and I had decent momentum at that point anyway. So they were like, it is going well, you are working. So if you want to, you know, not go to school and do that, you can do that. You can always go back to school. So they were very supportive and they were never like, you have to do this. Like I had multiple times where I got super burnt out in the industry and by traveling. And I just would like go home to my parents' house and like live at home for a month and be like, I'm so over just like the grind of traveling and like being away all the time. And, you know, I just would get kind of weighed down by it because I started working when I was like 17 years old and they would always like welcome me back with open arms and were super supportive. But at the same time, they were definitely like, this is an opportunity for you to like make great money and have like a level of financial independence that you might not get with any other career at this age. And I remember at the time feeling kind of not mad at them for emphasizing that, but being like, but I'm a kid. Like all my friends are like (laughs) in frat parties and basements and I want to do what they're doing. And my mom was like, I promise you, like you'll look back one day and be really glad that you committed to this. And she of course was right. (laughs) Yeah. Especially while the opportunity is there because there's no guarantee that it would be there if you waited another few years, you just never know how those things are going to exactly. You know, it's very like right, right place, right time. And it sounds like that's how it was for you. Yeah. How did you initially get into modeling? Like how were you discovered? Did you go seeking it or how did you first start? I was discovered at the Danbury mall in Connecticut. Um, there was this like modeling competition happening there and people are always like, Oh my God, I thought those were fake and frauds. And I was like, I definitely probably did too at the time. And I remember I was like in like the dorkiest outfit and they saw me and my mom and they were like, you want to like come on stage and like walk in this like show slash competition like you could win. And we were like, we and my mom were like, okay, like, I don't really understand. Funny enough, there were actual real agents there from real agencies, like from Manhattan. Um, so I walked on stage and like did the thing. And then I ended up like winning this trip to New York city, which was kind of funny. Cause I'm like, I'm from New York. Like I'm from upstate New York. It's not like the most like crazy prize. Exciting yeah. thing. <laughs> um, and then I met with a bunch of agencies and then things started from there. That's super exciting. So did you have to take a lot of time off school? Were you like missing school for these shoots? And I'm sure that was like really exciting for your friends to be like, I I did. Sometimes I would, you know, take a few weeks off and I'd have to like kind of do work and projects on the road while I was working and traveling. And luckily my school was like pretty supportive of it. Look, reflecting back now, like they were very supportive of it. Um, And then I would come back, but I would go from like, being on a photo shoot in Morocco to like coming back to like my biology or religion class. And I'd be like, what a stark difference. But I I also loved that routine and groundedness that school and family and sports and all that gave me. That's so cool. And that's, I think the dream for so many young girls too, especially, I mean, like I, I, growing up around that time, it was like 17 magazine was big and you were seeing, you know, it was like when the OC came out and all these shows where you got to see these lifestyles that me from little town, Ohio, definitely so different from the life I was living. So that was truly like you would go to sleep at night, be like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll get discovered at the mall. You know, it's truly like a dream for somebody. It's true. Definitely true. Like when it happened and I was like, mom, like this might be like legit. And she was like, I don't know. And I remember she took everyone's card that was like at this modeling competition and she still has them to this day. And she was like, wow, that ended up working out. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it wasn't like today where you could just pull them up on LinkedIn and see if they no. were legit. It was probably like a little hard to determine. Yes, no, not at all. And scary as a mom too. I'm sure she was kind of like, what is this? Who are these people? Do they have my daughter's best interest in mind? Yeah, definitely. That's why my mom came with me like everywhere in the beginning of my yeah. career. Like I had never left the country before I started modeling. Like the farthest I had gone from upstate New York was to Disneyland. So for my first modeling job, I had to get a passport and my mom came with me and we have been all over the world together. So, and I'm super grateful for that experience now. And especially now, if you think about it as a mom yourself, I'm like, that'd be so cool to like go with my daughter all around the world and experience that with her. So cool. And I definitely understand now having a daughter that I'm certainly not going <laughs> to let her out of my sight when she's a teenager, yeah. you know, go off on some trip to work. Absolutely exactly. not. When I was 17, I wanted to do it, but no, yeah. not, not going to happen. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by, well, me. Skinthusiast.com is your one-stop shop for all things skin and beauty. We have so many blog posts that you could educate yourself on skincare all day long. If you want a deeper dive, I hold your hand through creating a skincare regimen from scratch in my comprehensive skincare guide. And we have the cutest crewnecks for anyone who's in their skin era. If you're a skin enthusiast, you're going to love it here. Head to skinthusiast.com forward slash shop. So I've heard you've talked a little bit now, and I've heard you in other interviews uh, talk about kind of the fear of aging out of modeling. Is this something you still deal with, or do you think that the industry has kind of come around and we're not seeing that happen so much? I mean, I feel like it's kind of one of those things where some models will model longer term, and you'll see them kind of still in shoots and you know, on jobs, but it definitely, especially when I first started modeling, most models were like so young, like girls were like 16, 17, like lying about their ages and saying they were 20, 21. Luckily, I think it's gotten a lot better, meaning like girls who are like 25 plus are still working and stuff like that. In terms of aging out of it, I just kind of feel like, you know, when I started, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, people would be like, well, what are you going to do when you turn 30? what are you going to do when this is all over? And I remember being like, Oh my God, I don't know. What am I going to do? And I'm sure you feel the same way. You're like 30. You feel like you're just starting your life. So I resent them mildly because I'm like, Oh my God, I make it seem like 30 was going to be my death. (laughs) Um, But now as a model, I mean, I had two kids and modeling is one of those things where I'm like, and even still to the same, and I just had a baby four weeks, four, four months ago. And they're like, Oh, you have an option for this, an option for this. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, if they'll have me, I'll do it. Sure. I'm like, you know, it it is kind of one of those things you can pound the pavement as hard as you want for as long as you want. But at the end of the day, like if people don't want to work with you, they don't want to work with you. But I've been blessed that people continue to want to work with me. And like, now it's funny because going on set as a model, now that I'm a mom feels like a vacation because (laughs) I remember like one of the last jobs I did before I got pregnant, I was like in Portland, Maine, like like staying in a hotel, like in the fluffy robe and like by yourself. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so strange. Um, versus previously I was like, Oh, this is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure you feel like this too. Like what did I actually do with my time before I was pregnant? Because 
I should have been a lot more productive. I should have been doing a lot more <laughs> campaigns. Like I should have been on it. Now I'm like, did I literally just sit on the couch all day? Like where did the day go? Yeah. Because now my day is so full. You know, I'm working at nap times and that's just, that's life. Yep. I completely resonates with me as well. I have absolutely no idea what I did before. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And your and your little ones are so, so cute. Thank you. Yeah, they're really cute. My daughter is now 21 months and my son is four months. So I really did that back to back. Um, so now I'm like, okay, I don't want to be pregnant for a while. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'll have more? I do think I will have one more. Everyone thinks I'm insane because I wow, feel like I'm so you. honest and transparent on social about how I feel about pregnancy and postpartum and how hard it is not to complain all the time, but I just can't not be honest about like what my experience has been like. But at the end of the day, like, and I'm sure, you know, the two, you look at them and you're like, you're so worth it. But you're like, oh, I got to do that all over again. Mm -hmm. And it really is such a short blip of time, but during it, it feels like it's ages and it's never going to end. It feels like it's never going to end. And what's so insane is like, I am truly a miserable person when I'm pregnant, like through and through, like I'm a misery. Uh, like my husband will attest, but what's so insane about me and mother nature in general is like, I'll see pictures of pregnant people now and I'll be like, Oh, I wish I was pregnant. And I'm like, Emily, no, <laughs> stop, stop right now. No, you yeah, do not. Like you're insane, so but you know that you like get far enough away from it and you're like, it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. You forget all about it, which it's biological, right? <laughs> Otherwise we'd stop having babies after one. So true. <laughs> so when you kind of started thinking about having a family one day and and how your modeling career was going to proceed, did you intentionally kind of make your way into content creation? And did you did you have dreams of doing that and even having a brand or did it all just kind of happen organically? Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I was modeling at that point when I started creating content and really focusing on content, it was probably like 2014, 2014, like peak Instagram days. But I just remember I was on set and I remember there would be whispers of like, influencers coming on set and like stealing our jobs like models would be like what oh my gosh like people are high and I remember it was like people like Kendall Jenner people were like oh my god she'll never be a model <laughs> lol because jokes on that but yeah and I remember it was like a really big it was really big um the time of bloggers too and I remember hearing that like bloggers were doing modeling jobs and how much money they were making and I was like wait I can just like post about my life and what I'm eating and what I'm wearing and all of that and like maybe not have to be on set for 10 or 12 hours a day and like make the same amount of money I mean, I was a bit of an opportunist like that. Like I was like, um, I can definitely do that. And I remember I would just spiral on YouTube and on Instagram and save people down that I was inspired by. And I'd be like, I can do that. Like, and I would just have this huge list of content ideas and I was way better about it then than I am now, but I'd be like, I can do all of that. And I just slowly started creating more content and like making it more of a concerted effort, especially I started my YouTube channel and I was doing so much about beauty and fashion and travel and behind the scenes of my modeling career and people really enjoyed it. And it really took off for me. And I really enjoyed it because I had more agency on what I was doing and control. And I loved editing the content and it, it kind of, added more fun and color to my modeling career in a way, because I'd be like, Oh, I have this shoot. Okay. And then I'd be like, well, I'll have this whole behind the scenes video that will be really fun to shoot and edit. So it made it more fun for me in a way. Um, so I'm really glad that I did it though, because now that I'm a mom, you know, you can do content and sponsorships and partnerships, you know, for age doesn't matter there. Size doesn't matter there. So I'm really grateful that I kind of like 
dip my toe into that when I did. Absolutely. Yeah. It all worked out really well timing wise for you. I remember when I was first postpartum, I had a, a, a collaboration with Lancome do and I, the baby would not sleep in her crib. So I, in the, in the video, you don't see her, but she is strapped to me. And I'm like, this is due today. We have to get it done. And I have friends who do, you know, style content and, and they're out there in 95 degree weather, like shooting, uh, you know, all their outfits. And I'm, I'm like, God, I have it so easy. I literally just go in my bathroom and, and educate about a product. Like I, I didn't, plan it that way, but it certainly worked out well. That is so amazing. And especially with your expertise, it's like endless what you could talk about and share and educate on. Like that's so awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Speaking of lists of content, that's, I mean, every time I'm with a patient, I feel like half the time I'm like, okay, Amy, focus on this patient. Cause I'm thinking about like three different videos that I can get out of the questions that they're asking me. And I'm, I'm sure I was just speaking, um, my friend Susan yesterday, we had lunch and we were talking about how we, we literally think in like voiceover, like we're, everything we do <laughs> is like, how could this be an educational video? How could we make this into content? And I'm like, gosh, it's just like, your brain doesn't turn off. No, it's I'm so sure true. it's the same for you. You get become so warped and like finding the boundaries of it. Cause you're like, especially for me, because sometimes a lot of what my followers want to see is like my life and a day in the life and what I eat in a day and all these things. And once you become a mom, I'm like, my children are such an integral part of my day and my life. And how much of that do I want to share and show? And now I feel like I'm not just showing my life, I'm showing their life. So it's interesting trying to find like my new version of content as a mother. Like I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, that's, that's really difficult. That's, that's a big struggle. I think for new moms, especially in this age, if you already kind of have a following before you have your children, how much of them are you going to share? And I feel like I always tell myself like, no, I'm done. I'm not sharing anymore. And then she does something so cute in a video and I'm like, I can't not like, it's hard because you love them so much and you want to share them with the world, but you also want to respect them. I remember before I ever got pregnant hearing a blogger talk about, you know, like they didn't consent to be on the video. And I'm like, consent? Like they're, what do you mean? They're six months old. What are you talking about? They're a baby. But now I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is her life. Like, I need to respect her life. Totally. Maybe she doesn't want to be an Instagram baby. Totally. It's really hard, though, because it's like your life and you love them so much and you think they're so adorable. And I would show and share so much. But I've kind of like drawn the line in the sand. And now I'm like figuring out like how I can create content in a way that I enjoy and show my life without showing them so much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard, but but once you find that balance, I think things get easier and you can kind of decide what you're comfortable sharing and I think your audience always understands, especially like other moms. I think they can totally relate. I don't know if you've ever gotten any like angry messages about like I've gotten some weird like you used to show Josie more. It's, it and it just like makes me feel super weird and and but I understand at the same time that they're invested in your life and I can't imagine how it must be for you. But you know, you, you have to, you have to make those decisions for yourself and for your family and just move forward. And yeah. the majority of people understand, I think. Yes. Yeah. I've definitely gotten many mean messages about it because I've been open and upfront about how I, how I approach it. And people, I, I think it's interesting that people are very demanding about it. Like that they feel that they deserve to see that. Um, and then that kind of makes me retract even more because I'm like, no one deserves like access to my children, Mm -hmm. um, especially strangers on the internet. So I kind of go into like mama bear mode in that sense, but also it's like, 
if that's a lot of people, like I have like almost 3 million followers on Instagram, like that's absurd. Like I just wouldn't put my child in the center of an arena with 3 million people watching. So that's kind of how yeah. I take it on the internet, but it, it's a tough, it, it, it is tough. That's how my take on it right now, but it could change with time. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe my child will yeah. want to be a baby influencer. She'll say I want it. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, you know, not, it's, it's taught me a lot about myself too, I think, because not only do they not have the right to demand that access to your child, but also they don't really have the right to demand that access to you either. True. You know, you're, you're showing this part of your life and because you enjoy it. But if there are certain aspects you don't want to share, then that's absolutely your prerogative. And I think somewhere in this crazy world that we live in, those lines have gotten blurred. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if you make money online, people feel like they're entitled to you and entitled to your responses and, and, and that can be really hard. It can be really exhausting. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree with that. Speaking of exhausting, how do you, how do you manage it now? How do you manage your content? I love watching you guys on TikTok, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. I love Covey's Instagram. It's so cute. <laughs> thank you. And I love your, your TikToks too. They're like thank amazing. You. They're very personable. And I think your personality comes across amazing. You're very, from what I know of you, you're the same as you are on your TikToks is, is how you are. It's how you are in real life, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to just be like as authentic and, and normal as it can, but yeah, managing content now, I feel like since I've had kids, it's definitely a little bit more like I have to re- truly carve out the time versus before I had kids, it was like, this is my life and this is where I'm going. This is what's happening. And I'm filming and able to do all that. And you know, when you have kids, you're like lugging a million bags and like someone screaming and trying to get one of the car seat. And like, I just like don't prioritize content in like the, like in a live way as much. Now I kind of need to carve out the time. Like I'm going to take three hours this morning and shoot a video or take three three hours this morning and like talk about what I'm wearing today. Like I really have to be more um, concerted about like my time and effort. Yeah, absolutely. And are you are you batching it or are you do, just filming a little bit every day kind of as it I comes tend up? to batch it a little bit more. Occasionally I'll do a little bit every day. I still can't figure out what's a better groove for me because sometimes I'm like I can one either. video a day. I'm like that's so doable. And then I'm like, no, I can't do it. Not today. I'm not wearing makeup today. I'm not going out today. Like I'm with the kids today. Like I make up a million excuses. I'm still trying to find my groove. I don't know if you know what if you have a good system. No. And I feel I'm definitely like a podcast consumer. And so, you know, there's always, whenever there's creator, creators on podcasts, I feel like they talk about their system yeah. and I'm, I'm, whenever I hear a new system, I'm like, okay, yes, that makes sense. I'm going to try that. <laughs> and it just never works for me, but it also doesn't work for me to just fly by the seat of my pants either. So I'm, I'm still trying to totally. figure it out. It's, it's really, it's hard, but I want to know now that you have two kids and you're super busy, what what I mean, Covey is obviously perfect for this, so it's perfect timing. But what is your skincare like now? Yeah. Your routine in the morning and the night. Do you ever skip? Like, are you you do it every morning and every night, or are there some days you no, skip? No, I, I don't ever skip. But I think because I keep it so simple, it's hard. I don't like it's not a big feat for me. Um, so in the mornings, I always I actually don't wash my face in the mornings. Like I don't until after I work out. So usually when I get up in the morning, I'll just do some sort of moisturizer or something before I go to the gym because I just can't have nothing on my face. It feels insane. Mm-hmm. When I come back from the gym though, I cleanse with our first of all cleanser. And then I use our next step vitamin C serum, my last one, all these moisturizer. 
And then of course I use our son and done SPF. And I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't get good about SPF until we created one, which is so horrible, but I feel like I didn't like SPF. I didn't like the way it sat under makeup. I didn't like the way that it felt. But now that I like found we created one that I really like, I obviously use one. And then in the evenings, I always wash all of my makeup off, which is why I created our first wall cleanser. I wanted something that took off everything in one step. Um, and then I use our Pacuchiel serum, which now I'm like totally hooked on that because I we launched that. And it was perfect because Christina or my, my business partner and I were either pregnant or nursing like the entire time Cubby was alive. And we wanted a retinol alternative and Bacuchiol is so perfect for that, which I'm sure you know. Um, and then I always use our last but not least moisturizer and then our lip balm as well. I always use that every night as a lip treatment because it truly makes your lips so soft. And then since I stopped nursing, I have slowly been doing like tretinoin like once or twice a week. I love that. I think the Bacuchiol is something that... I'll often have people obviously asking for retinoid alternatives, but then it's something they kind of throw to the side once they're able to use their retinoid again. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is such a good antioxidant and it's it's also pairs so well with your retinoid. And I I love that it's an easy way to get in an antioxidant at night. So you use your vitamin C in the morning and then you can use your Bacuchiol product at night and you can still use your retinoid that they can go together perfectly fine. So I always tell people don't, don't give up the Bacuchiol once you go back to your, to your retinoid. So that's awesome. You're still using it. Like I find success, like for the most part, if I do tretinoin, I only do it what once or twice a week. So all the other nights of the week, I use my Bacuchiol. So I think it's a mm-hmm. perfect like balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the first of all, the names of the products are so cute. I remember when you guys first launched it, your team graciously sent me some. And when I was talking about it, I was kind of reading the products for the first time on camera as I was using them. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like it is, they're so cute. And like, I just think that was genius what you guys did there. But the first of all cleanser is one of only two gel cleansers that I I actually like on my dry skin and recommend for dry types. So what's really unique about it, I think is its ability to take off Mm -hmm. everything, but it is not stripping or drying at all, which it's really hard to find a gel cleanser that isn't. Yeah. I think our first of all cleanser, like we really not, I mean, it's our baby. So of course I'm going to say this, but I feel like we really knocked it out of the park with that one because for me, I just wanted something that took everything off. So I'd come home from work as a model. I'd have so much makeup on and I would test different iterations of this cleanser that we were attempting to create. And I think we did almost 16 versions of this to try to get to the final formulation because I'd be like, nope, it's not working. It's not taking it off. Or like, nope, my skin is super dry because like there are a lot of super effective cleansers, but they make your skin feel awful and like tight and dry. So I really do feel like we accomplished this because there's the coconut surfactants in there. There is some aloe leaf juice in there, which is super soothing. It really breaks makeup down without making it feel horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that the range is really relatively affordable too for you to be able to, for someone to be able to go and literally buy it all, know that it all works together Mm -hmm. and that it's going to be efficacious for their skin. But if you had to tell the audience to start with one product, maybe they don't want to try everything at once. Maybe they want to incorporate things slowly, which is one that you would say is the best place to start. That's my question. I mean, I think that the cleanser is a great place to start. And I think Dr. Rusak, our founding germ would say the same thing, because if you're going to do anything, at least making sure that your skin is cleansed is so important. And if you're wearing makeup and sunscreen, like making sure at the end of the day that you're going to bed with clean skin, I feel like is so important. And, you know, our first fall cleanser has won three beauty awards already. It's really loved by editors and like 
one of our best selling products. So I feel like people should start there. I love that. I, I think I would have the same answer, just trying all the products for myself. Well, maybe the vitamin C. I'm yeah. very partial to the vitamin C. It's such a good product. And again, very affordable for a THD ascorbate serum. Mm-hmm. Most of the ones that I've used in the past and have recommended are outrageously expensive. So it's one I always recommend. It's, it's a really, really fantastic product. Great place to start. So if you're someone listening to this who you feel like you can't tolerate a vitamin C, you get breakouts, you get irritation, you get redness from vitamin C, I really implore you to try it because you will probably be pleasantly surprised. And everyone, I really think if it's possible for you to use a vitamin C, you really should because the benefits are just so amazing. So it's a, it's a really good one to try if, you're, if your skin is irritated. Absolutely. Agreed. So as someone in the beauty industry for so many years, I can only imagine the, the products that you've tried, both makeup and skincare. So aside from your line, if you had to pick a Holy Grail skincare product and a Holy Grail beauty product, what would you say? It could be something that's discontinued. It can be something that you found recently yeah. or something you used years ago. I think that... So my Holy Grail makeup product is I use this Clinique chubstick that like I buy it in bulk. Because working with makeup artists for so many years, whenever they find like a shade or like an eyeliner that they love, they buy it in bulk because they're oftentimes it gets discontinued. For me, it's the Fuller Fig Clinique Chubstick. Um, I use it on my cheeks. I use it on my lips. It is my favorite, like natural, almost sunburnt looking lip color. I love it. I like have a million of them all over the house. For skincare, oh my gosh, um, outside of Cubby, it's hard. Yeah. I know. It um, sounds like that's everything you use, which is amazing. It really, I mean, right? you, it really is. Like You're like, if I need a product, I just make yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I feel I love like that. now I, I'm genuine when I say that and I'm not even trying to be a salesperson. I really only use Cubby products now outside of, you know, looping in tretinoin here and there. And I think tretinoin, like if you're going to go there and like really want to kickstart anti-aging. I know it's really irritating for a lot of people's skin, including mine, which is why I try to take it easy with it. But I do use it and try to be honest about that. Yeah. And I think that's really important because a lot of, I think there are a lot of people out there who use it. And aside from brand founders, I mean, even, even skincare influencers, I think there's this like push, like they don't like to talk about prescriptions Mm -hmm. or even procedures sometimes, which you know, I come from the space, obviously, where that's all we talk yeah. about. So to me, it's very normal. But I have noticed, you know, even even myself, I think sometimes people, especially new followers, maybe don't realize what I actually do for a living. And I, I am also only seeing patients one day a week now with the baby and with yeah. all of the other stuff I have going on. So I don't share it as much. And I do find that when I do talk about even prescriptions, I feel like I lose followers, which is so crazy to huh. me. But obviously, I think it's super important that we educate on it and are super open and honest with with what we're doing. Um, you know, and that being said, tretinoin is the holy grail aside from sunscreen for anti aging. Um, but you know, if you're only using it once or twice a week, the results you're getting are are from your from your everyday true, regimen, right? You know, the tretinoin is gonna. But it's it is good to use it and and have it ha- use it you know even a couple nights a week if that's all you can tolerate. Is the formulation you're using is it like a creamy yeah, one or is it more of a gel? That's nice. Do you feel like you tolerate that a little bit I do, better? Yeah, I do think that I do, but I can only do it like once, twice a week. Yeah. And do you use it over your moisturizer or underneath? I do it underneath. Um, I know yeah. that people do it over and it, they tolerate it better, but I don't. I've always yeah. kind of done it on clean skin. 
Well, and I think when the rest of your regimen is so gentle yeah. and there's nothing in there that's stripping your skin, you you probably can tolerate it. But sometimes when we're using uh, back to the start of this episode, all the other things, it just it just doesn't work. So I think I think that's the theme of the episode. Like simple is better. Keep it simple. More is not more when it comes to skincare. Right? You're just going to end up doing more damage to your skin. And and I like to remind people too that irritation and inflammation does lead to aging. So. When you see your skin consistently irritated from your skincare routine, it's not a good thing. I think for many years, we 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 kind of craved that mm-hmm. tingling sensation. And we liked when our skin was flaky and red because it was doing something. Totally. But maybe a procedure or, or a peel, but that's not something you want your skin to do every single day. Totally. So that's just what I love about Cubby. It's easy. It's not going to irritate your skin. And it's efficacious, which is the most important totally. thing. Last question before you leave. If you could go back and tell younger Emily, one thing. It could be about skin. It could be about life. It could be about modeling, about motherhood. What would it be? I think that I would tell myself that everything, this too shall pass, that time goes on. I think that when you're younger, you're so anxious about so many things and you feel like that's going to be forever. And then when you have a baby or you're pregnant, you feel like that's going to be forever. You're postpartum, you feel like that's going to be forever, but nothing really is forever. The only thing that's promised in this world is that things are going to change. So just trying to enjoy like where you're at in the moment, because it's not going to be like that forever, good or bad. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so many times we look back and on a situation or on a period of our lives and think, wow, I really like took that for granted or I didn't, I didn't understand it for all that it was worth. So I think that's fantastic advice for our younger listeners. Well, thank you so yeah. much. It's been such an honor to talk to you. You're so amazing, so down to earth, and I'm I'm so excited. Is there anything new coming up for Covey that you can share with us, not, whether it be like a retailer or a product? Not or- right now. Um, we have some stuff in the works, but nothing that I can truly tease yet, but stay tuned. Okay. So exciting. I'm sure it's going to be amazing because everything, the options we have so far are. So thank you so, so much for coming on and for sharing your story and being so vulnerable. Um, I know the audience is going to appreciate it so much. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with Emily. She is so down to earth and easy to talk to. I think this episode is an important reminder that more is not always more in skincare. If you want my simplified skincare routine for anyone dealing with irritation or just wanting to keep things simpler, just go to skinthusiast.com forward slash simple and I'll send you over a simple and supportive but also efficacious skincare routine. If you love this episode as much as I did, please rate and review the show so we can keep spreading the skin love. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.